All right. It is Wednesday, November 21st, 2007. I'm George Jardine. I'm here with Catherine Hall in her home in... Where are we, Catherine? (laughs) Cattle Shoot Road. Cattle Shoot Road. This kills me. It's a fabulous (laughs) little house. Where is Cattle Shoot Road? We're somewhere west of... uh, East of San Francisco. East of San Francisco. West of Walnut Creek. Yeah. It's a really pretty little area. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks for agreeing to sit down with me and talk about your photography. I'm honored that you decided to take some time out and have a conversation I'm with honored me. that you came out here, especially um, after your wild night. <laughs> with, with Greg and Gerd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a good time. Good podcast. Gonna <laughs> come out of that. So you're doing an awful lot of different kinds of interesting things, and I love your pictures. Thank you. Weddings and uh, personal projects also. Do you... I'll I'll fix that. Um, I could do it too. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to clean that up. Um, Does your personal work help you do better weddings or does your wedding photography inspire you to want to go out and do these personal projects, which we're going to dig into a little bit here? Or I don't know, does it all just influence... They're very much related. I would say the personal projects help a lot with weddings because most of the time I will go out and go into environments such as with Appalachia Project where I'm just randomly going to people's homes and they don't know who I am and why I'm there and I have to sort of earn their trust in order to get a good image from them. And it's a lot of work in that sense, whereas with a wedding... It's pretty simple because people know who you are. They know why you're there and they want you to be, you're there to take photographs. That's why they're your purpose. So it almost, in a way, the personal projects trains me and makes a wedding, which is obviously a very high stress situation, seem easy, if that Mm, makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so the pictures from Appalachia are fabulous. Thank you. Uh, they actually, rem- yeah, remind me a little bit of, of the uh, the Coast to Coast uh, uh, Homeland Security project that Gorman was working on. You know, really fabulous faces in their environments. How did you get onto the Appalachia project? What sparked your interest there? I got a scholarship from Julia Dean and Associates. Wow. Yeah, and I was planning on going to Poland basically what it was is it paid for you to go on a travel workshop with her and um I was going to go to Poland and it was all set and then the trip fell through last minute and so it got canceled and I started looking at my other options and Appalachia it just kind of jumped out at me as I've traveled so much taking photographs in abroad and I felt like it was time for me to look at something that was closer to home. And it was one of those things where it was, I felt like the Poland thing, me dealing with the Poland getting canceled was, okay, well, how can I make the situation better? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a good thing it got canceled. Maybe I meant to be do something in the U.S. And it was attractive for me because it was, first of all, photographing where I'm from and then also much more accessible. So... Um, there wasn't a language barrier and there wasn't a geographical barrier that I'm used to dealing with when I'm going to Asia and South America, Central America. So that was kind of the initial attraction. And what's inspiring me to continue the project would be that the people there are 
really, really fascinating. And it just blew me away that something, you know, living on the East Coast, living in New York, first I was living there when I started the project. Um, it's not that far, you know, from mm-hmm. New York City, really. And West Virginia is probably my favorite place to photograph in that region. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're in a whole nother plant, a whole nother country. Mm-hmm. And it's just really phenomenal phenomenal stuff and it's almost like I feel like on the coasts everything's time is money and I think when you get inland and into these rural areas people really have a lot of time and are willing to sort of open up and share their lives with you and a lot of my subjects such as the um the one where there's a there's a kid with the rooster Mm -hmm. that's flying out with a clothesline Mm -hmm. they had um been kicked out because all the big floods after the the coal mining caused just it destroyed a lot of the landscape and which caused a lot of floods Mm. and their house had been destroyed and they were living in this little hut and it was really kind of bad conditions and it was fascinating this this little girl just really took to me and she gave me some of her stuffed animals and Mm. all this stuff and we just hung out for a while and they told me a lot about their lives and what had happened you know with the destroying of the land that they had and mm. destruction of the land it just gave me I would say it's f- fascinating what you know is in our backyard in a way in oh, a sense yeah. that there's like people you know when I went to Cuba for example I the one of the things I loved about it was that I felt like I was on another planet and I yet I could stand on the Malacan and be wow I'm because my parents live in Florida I'm 90 miles away from my parents right now yeah I mean that blows me away 90 yeah. miles and I'm in a totally different world like backwards in time 50 years easily and you know the same sort of I got the same sense in Appalachia where I felt like I reversed back on time and yet I was driving distance to New York City you know mm. it's just very very mind-boggling and and I think the images that you get from there are strong because for several reasons one it's in the U.S. and people don't realize that's they do know but not really mm-hmm. that it's like there's places like this in the U.S. and then also just the people are so intriguing and very open I would say once not initially I had to break through a lot of barriers where there's a skepticism to people there because they are educated to know enough that people think they're weird quote unquote so when I would meet with people the initial response is well are you think we're freaks or you know there was mm-hmm. this kind of fear sure. that well, I was trying to portray them in a negative way and or they didn't know what my intentions were and so you just had to work through that and then once you did and they opened up you can get some really beautiful images mm. from that well the pictures are really strong Thanks. thanks. Yeah. What's the story you want to tell about Appalachia? You know, I, when I went there, I had an, a specific agenda in mind, and I had intentions for what I wanted to do. And because I did the workshop was the first week, and then everyone went home, and I stayed for ten more days, and I just rented a car and drove around. And that's really when I built my body of work because workshops, um, I was more just kind of absorbing what was around me rather than creating a lot. So anyhow, my original approach completely just, 
ended up doing something completely different Hmm. and was going to actually do something on African-Americans in that area Mm -hmm. because there's actually there's a lot (laughs) a lot and they don't really have much of a voice Mm -hmm. and so I was working with a nonprofit there and that was my initial interest and then I did some work with that nonprofit and then I sort of found that it wasn't clicking and one thing I've really always done with traveling work is if I follow my intuition. So if something doesn't feel right, instead of just doing it because I feel like I have to, I'll just shift gears. And so all I'm thinking about now is creating a series of portraits. Mm-hmm. And I guess Steve McCurry is a big influence for me. And mm-hmm. one of his biggest, most inspiring books was really just his portrait book when mm-hmm. I was initially getting into photography. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps it's an extension of that. But And I don't know, maybe something will grow out of it. But right now I'm just focusing on a body of work. And I know the area well enough, too, that I wouldn't be adverse to going back and visiting the same families and working on it. You know, So it could easily evolve into something more. But I'm not trying to assign a meaning to it right now because mm-hmm. there isn't one that's apparent to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make up one a meaning just so I have one, if that sure, makes sense. Sure. Do you feel as if you have an advantage going into these kinds of situations as a woman, or do you think anybody could take the initiative to, to establish those relationships and get those pictures? I would say there's advantages and disadvantages. Um, the greatest disadvantage would be safety. It's difficult. Like in Appalachia, I got in some really scary situations Mm. one in particular where I was nervous about my um Mm well-being and that I think if I was a man would be a lot less likely to happen Mm -hmm. Uh, so in that sense it's harder I would say Mm -hmm. but I would never want to be a man (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a lot easier overall as a woman Mm. because you're able to go into these families and yeah, develop a rapport. Exactly. I think people, just as a young female, with everything I do, if I'm going through airports with a lot of equipment, anything I'm ever doing, I, there's sort of an innocent factor. You know, like people look at me and I look kind of harmless. I'm just a young girl for the most part. And that's worked a lot towards me because, you know, people in Appalachia, for example, I don't think I was that threatening to, to a lot of people. Whereas if I was a big man, mm-hmm. you know, and particularly working, a lot of my work is of children. And I think as being a woman, first of all, mothers are feel a lot more comfortable with me interacting with their children. Sure. Um, but, you know, I have a lot to say about the subject. I think it's a lot easier as a female, mm-hmm. I really do. But I am a female, so maybe if I was a male, I would feel differently. But um, it, with everything and my commercial work too, with or with weddings, with anything in life, I feel like it's easier. <laughs> it's easier because people, now. yeah, because people just they really. I th- I think it's easier to get people's trust. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You mentioned weddings, and it seems like um, more women are shooting weddings than ever before. It's perhaps easier for a woman now that photojournalism is becoming so popular in the wedding industry where the brides really want someone with them the whole time through the whole process and starting with the getting ready phase and I women do have an advantage there as far as they can be either way they can hang out with the guys before they're getting ready easily the guys always accept a young woman in the room interesting (laughs) yeah and and then on the flip side 
you know, when the bride's getting dressed or when there's these intimate moments with the bride and her sister and the mother, it's a little easier for me to be involved and get the images I want. If I was a straight photojournalist, I don't know that it would matter as much. But since I like to interact with my subjects mm-hmm. so much, mm-hmm. I think being a female is puts me at an advantage. And a lot of my clients, um, the brides are who I'm mostly working with, mm-hmm. become some of my good friends through the process. I imagine. And so they trust me and think of one of their girlfriends at the wedding. And they'll ask me things like that aren't even related to photography, like what earrings should I wear or what, you know, just random things or, you know, and, and I become sort of their counselor, their guidance person mm. as well. So, and that's just a female camaraderie thing, I think. Well, I guess the other aspect of the question is, do you think you have a sensitivity to some of the details that the bride might want to see in the photos that might be different than the way a man would see a wedding? Perhaps. But I do think a man has an advantage in the sense that for creating imagery that's sexy and... and well, I think some of your wedding photos are very sexy. Well, I, I try to think like a man. It's, it, it, really? I, you know, because I, I think that, for example, if I put the bride in a way that the light goes across their collarbone and this part's seen instead of just flat, mm-hmm. or, or if something is simple, you know, there's different tricks that you can do that when you ask a man, this is a, a men like this area, mm-hmm. or men, there's certain areas that I try to think what makes an image sexy to men. So you, I try to do both. So I try to get the sensitive, kind of soft mother would love picture. Mm-hmm. And then also the really sexy kind of, they're going to look back and go, wow, we were hot on our wedding day. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So what's the thing that you most want to give to your couples in the wedding photography? Is there a certain look or is there a certain emotion? Or what would be the most important thing that you would want to communicate to them with the wedding album? First and foremost, my greatest strength as a photographer would be my portraits. And Mm -hmm. so that is my main concern. I'm a little anxious until I've nailed down some images that I think are phenomenal of the couple. It doesn't have to be them together but some great images of the bride some great stuff that's artistic and and beautiful in themselves and then it's great that it's their wedding too but it's it's also just the image in itself is amazing so that would be a main priority for me because I think that that's what distinguishes me from my competition and why a lot of my clients hire me is because of that work I mean if you mm-hmm. look at my website that's mm-hmm. what I push because that's what I'm good at sure and then the next would be, and that for me is a lot of work, like interacting and direct. I don't pose at all. Like I'm not a, I'm much more of a director in a sense where I'll kind of give them scenes. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, okay, I want you to pretend you're in Paris and I want you to, and I'll give them scenarios where I really want them to play the part instead of mm-hmm. saying, okay, put your elbow like this and do this. And because I'm like that, there's a lot of there's a fluidity mm-hmm. that's consistent with images it's a, it's a really cool technique and you know what it comes through oh thank you yeah no it really does because you can see that they're carefully composed mm-hmm. people are in the right places and the angles are really good but they appear really spontaneous yeah that's the yeah. goal so they're do they're you know they're they're role playing and i love that for me the goal is with my portraits to like you said, I'm light is my most important thing. So I'm always paying attention to what the best light is. And then next would be, 
okay, I get the light established. And then I think, what's the background? Think mm-hmm. about background. And then after that, once that's done, I stop thinking about it. And so I'll get them in a certain area. And then after that, it's really, the goal is for me, and I think what distinguishes my work would be keeping that sort of energy and fluidity and spontaneity in the images and like the role playing as you're saying it makes it easier because people don't they're not models and Mm -hmm. so they don't really know they don't want to be posed because that's they'll feel stiff and they'll feel awkward Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you don't give them any direction they don't know what to do so you have to find a, a way to sort of direct them and give them things to do where they can kind of be themselves and be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Is it hard working with people in that way to really get them to, to express something for the camera? Well, no, I think, and this is where going, this goes back to your original question is, do, does it, how does your other genres of photography f- affect each other? So how does the photojournalism or the editorial work or the commercial work or the wedding work, how do they all come together full circle? And, they're all people and so everyone's at the end of the day a person from Appalachia and a high-end bride from New York City when it's all stripped away they have they're just people and so the goal is to do whatever you can to make them feel comfortable and like they can be themselves and I think perhaps one of the best ways of doing that and this is what I've always done is really try to not have judgment and so if you know, you I could be thrown in a third world and be hanging out with the the people that I'm surrounded by, like we're all one, mm-hmm. and then go to a really high end event in New York and kind of fit the role for that. And I think a lot of that has to do with my upbringing and the sense that I was exposed to a large spectrum of different economical mm-hmm. backgrounds, mm-hmm. and so um, it's easier for me to kind of. I'm not a chameleon in a sense, like I don't change who I am, but it's not that I'm a chameleon because I really do feel like I'm the same person all the time. It sounds like um, empathy's the the thing. It, it sounds like if you empathize with your subject, and that's that's a that's a really common trait amongst you know the, at least the great photojournalists. They do have a lot of empathy for their subject, and they want to relate, whether it's a yeah. celebrity or the impoverished. Yeah, that's the perfect word. They just actually rangefinder. Right when you said it, it popped in my head. They just did a, um, like a five-page article, and that was the title. Oh wow! Yeah, so, I didn't see that. I promise, I didn't see that. And so I'll have to. <laughs> so it's funny because the writer was brilliant. She was a really good writer, and that was the title. She said something about empathizing. It was empathy was like the main word, though. I just remember it being really oh, that's big. Cool. <laughs> that's cool. So. Um, Shifting gears a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Burning Man. Yes, Burning Man. Yeah, another personal project. Yeah. What uh, What first brought you to Burning Man? Did you go to the first Burning Man to specifically photograph? Yes, yes. Uh. That was my first transition. Actually, I've been every year I had been going to another country to photograph for about two or three months each year. And just that year I was moving to New York City and for economical reasons I felt like it would be smarter for me not to go mm-hmm. I needed to have some money before I moved to New York mm-hmm. so instead of traveling abroad for two or three months I thought oh I'll just do a photo project but I'm going to go to Burning Man and mm-hmm. do it there mm-hmm. and that was kind of what my sparked my interest with the U.S. and then I went into Burning Man and then next would be Appalachia what sparked it was 
feeling like I needed to do something and wanting to do it local and economically sound. And then when I got there, it was it was brilliant. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it all sounds so logical and rational. And then yeah. you've got Burning Man, which is, yeah. But the the pictures are really strong. And, and I think for the first time, you might have uh, sparked my interest to go again. <laughs> no, the pictures are really, really strong. So what is it that you, you went there looking for? Was it costumes or the freedom people seem to have to go out on a limb with their art or their costumes or what is it at, at Burning Man that yields such great photographs for you? Um, well, I can say that I was probably the only sober person there. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a difference. Um, I think that quite honestly, the thing that intrigues me the most about Burning Man is it's amazing to me that people, and this is a huge generalization, but a lot of people go there because they feel like they need an escape from their their normal lives mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that they are in a way um, suffocated Stifled. or trapped or, or their everyday life doesn't allow them to be creative mm-hmm. and they're kind of constrained, um, whether it be working in an office or even, you know, a lot of the people that go there, I, I thought it was... You know, so many people that aren't familiar with Burning Man think it's a bunch of hippies running around naked, sure. but it's not. It's very different. It's a lot of professionals, doctors, um, managers, you know, whatever it might be, office managers, just random people that don't feel like in their life they can be creative. So mm-hmm. they really look to this one week as getting it all out. And I think what really intrigues... So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I think what intrigues me the most about it is that our society is there's not a lot of room for expression in our society mm-hmm. and it's because we are so work oriented so you take a place like Cuba and there's a lot of expression people music is mm-hmm. not that music's not big here but music is a part of their daily lives mm-hmm. they dance around in the house when they're getting because I lived with a lot of Cubans and they're always dancing, they're always singing, they're always doing mm. something to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just think that our country, there's not, it's not so much, you know, and, and that people kind of get stuck working, mm-hmm. taking care of the kids and get in this sort of grind. And we're very serious, we Americans. We are. <laughs> we are really serious. You know, the time is money. And I just found it fascinating that it's so much like that that we have to create a week for people to really live and express themselves Mm. that it's like there has to be this festival Mm -hmm. so you can go be yourselves because that's basically what people are doing i mean there is definitely drugs and alcohol and other but for the most part that's why people are there they want to create art Mm -hmm. they want to share they want to give they want to be a part of this community of freedom without judgment Mm -hmm. and it's amazing to me that there's not room for that in their life other than that week. Hmm. And that's the generalization. But I would say most people would agree, you know, and that is kind of why Burning Man is such a big deal and why, I don't know how many, when I was there, it was like 40,000 people. Wow. It's, uh, it's huge. It's, I forget. Don't quote me because we'd have to look it up, but it's a, a lot of people go to the desert mm-hmm. and there has to be a reason why it's so popular. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and I guess it's that we need this escape in our in our culture to be creative. Hmm. So we should tell people that um, 
the Appalachia Project and the Burning Man Project have not yet been published. So yeah. those are things to be on the lookout for perhaps in the future for your yes. website. But, you know, speaking to that, what would be the ultimate form of publication or whatever for your Burning Man photographs? Well, the Burning Man specifically, going on what I just discussed about how it's so different, how people have this week to express themselves. Mm. And I would love to do a parallel of what it's like when they're free and they're living how they want to live versus when they're kind of constrained in their nine to five job. Oh, are you going to go back and follow up and do portraits in the office? That's what I think would be really really interesting. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. That's a very cool idea. You know, Burning Man's (laughs) been done. Yeah. And how can you make it so that we're, it's not just the photo, because the photos themselves are extraordinary, but what does it say about the subject? It's them escaping and to add the other side of their average life and what they're they're normally doing. And it would be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, so sure. that would be the goal for Burning Man and how I would publish that, whether it be, I, don't, I haven't quite put that together. Um, Appalachia, I want that to be, definitely be my first book. Mm-hmm. And that was always the intention from, from the start wow. once I got there. So, well, it's a very powerful story visually. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And t- things are changing a lot, and I think it will take time, but um, I-, I would like it to be a, something that was historical in the sense that this is kind of part of our history. This is what Appalachia, you know, maybe in 20 years it will be different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things are changing fast. Mm-hmm. So, um, any other personal projects on your horizon, or are you really right now focused on Appalachia and, and Burning Man? Definitely focused on those two. On on a side note, with John Deere, mm-hmm. my contact there, we've talked a lot about doing a, ultimately doing a book of lifestyle portraits of, of people. The the thing that's great about the John Deere job is that it's not you know what we we're talking about. They're not pushing the product. Mm-hmm. So my boss, I guess I would say, my client. What inspired him was this North Face ad of someone climbing a mountain, and you can't even see North Face. You know, mm-hmm. there's no mm-hmm. mar- like, there's no branding. There's no, but it's one of their main. It's on a lot of their stuff, and and he loves that ad because it's not about the product as much as it's about the experience, mm-hmm. and sort of what the you know what is North Face? What do you think of North Face? You think of it's bigger than just a fleece, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas I think of other companies that make fleeces and it's just a brand it's just a clothing company Mm -hmm. so the thing about John Deere is there's a lot of freedom like the product doesn't even necessarily have to be in the shot it's just got to be sort of it's lifestyle images of people that use John Deere and so ultimately we'd like to create a book Um, and the great thing about this the John Deere is it's people from all over the country use it so Mm -hmm. you know like I was saying, Maryland, we have the Mennonites. Then I just did one in Florida, which was in, near Jacksonville, so it was much more urban. And then hopefully the next one's going to be in Idaho, up in the mountains. So there's a lot of diversity there. So that would be another project that we're both kind of toying with as far as producing a book together on that. Cool. So. Well, so it seems like, you know, you're pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of personal projects, <laughs> a lot of busy. different uh, things in the fire there and, and weddings. Does it all ultimately feed into the wedding business? or I mean, do you see yourself growing your wedding business at this point or, or kind of holding it steady? I like where I am right now. I think you have a choice, particularly with weddings, where you can 
take on a lot more clients and hire staff and, and make it more of an elaborate studio and a big, but do you really end up making more money at the end of the day? Probably not. I mean, well, it depends. I have, I, have a, I have a sense, though, Catherine, that it's it's not just about the money. Well, it's not about the money because yeah. I so, would have never been a photographer exactly. if it was about the money. <laughs> exactly. So the question then is, what do you like doing best out of all these things you do? Oh, I think the the key for me and my life is all of them together. That's great. And if I only did weddings, I would get burned. If I did any of them by themselves, I would get burned out. But because I'm doing so many different things, I can walk into each one of them completely inspired and really excited. So it, it, it's a beautiful balance for me. And it seems like they're all... They all relate. They all help each, each other. other. They all help way. each yeah. other. So yeah. like I mentioned, the photojournalism, the editorial work is great training for my weddings. For sure. The weddings are great because it's really high stress. So you put me in an incredible stressful situation um, and then, you know, that trains me of working under pressure. And then you have the commercial work. In the end, like, when you strip it all away, who's the client, what the job is, you're still creating images of people and trying to get who they are mm -hmm. in their essence. And so um, they're all just different ways of doing it. And it's, the variety in itself is definitely what keeps me inspired and where I can often say, on a regular basis, I love what I do. I can really love what I do and not be not be fearful of burning out. One common theme throughout all the types of work I do, personal projects, weddings, even my commercial work with John Deere, the client is giving me an incredible amount of freedom. Mm, and so lucky. Yeah, so lucky. And, you know, I only shoot 15 weddings a year, 20 weddings a year, so that you know, it's you can guarantee to find twenty brides that are willing to say, "Hey, the photography's all I care about. I totally trust you. Your vision's important to me. Just tell me what you need." And you know, I've been very fortunate with John Deere in the sense that I'm not working directly with an art director, and that I'm actually directing the shoots with my with my client. And mm -hmm. so there is a tremendous amount of freedom. And personal projects, amount of freedom, obviously. So all these things are, you know, I feel like all my work is, in a way, is personal projects. Hmm. So even my weddings feel like personal projects. Even my the John hmm. Deere shoots feel like personal projects. That's a nice place to be. Yeah. So yeah, that's all, very, very, very exciting. It's all so, about the relationships, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think so much of it too is having faith in your work and your vision. So. If you believe in yourself and you mm -hmm. believe in what you're doing and you illustrate your vision, then the money will come and everything oh, will sure. fall into place. And intuition again and again has always been my greatest guide. And I've always believed in my intuition and done what I felt is right. And then all the other stuff, it's just been, I never planned to have a John Deere account just kind of mm -hmm. fall in my lap. Mm -hmm. And why? Because the guy who hired me, my client, was at a wedding and was blown away by how I worked with people mm -hmm. and all these things. It just kind of comes full circle. So, and really what it comes down to is basically believing everyone has their specific talents and their, what they're good at. And for me, my greatest strength is connecting with people. And mm -hmm. so believing in that and really working on that. And then all the other parts of photography have just kind of tied together. That's great. So, well, the pictures are really, really strong. I, I have to say that you have quite a unique eye. Artist background. <laughs> really? Yeah. So 
Catherine, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah, it's a really great conversation. And um, I know I'm looking forward to seeing more Burning Man and more of the Appalachia pictures. So uh, hopefully the listeners will get to see some of those at some point. Yeah, there's some Burning Man on my website right now. Oh, okay, on the, good. There's a USA section. But Appalachia is not there. Just well, a little busy. <laughs> something to look forward to. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thank you.